Yes? No? Okay. Pushing it like I normally do, but it's just not turning on. So, all right. Uh, look at Romans chapter 14. We're going to look at the, the kind of go back the last three or four verses. Don't take a lot of time on them, but we always have to kind of rehash a little bit. Uh, we have, you know what? I didn't welcome our, our visitor, and where's that visitor card? I didn't, you got it right there. All right, here you go. Uh, we have a visitor here tonight, and uh, Brother Jesse, if, are you going to be running off real fast? Good. Brother Jesse, this, we need to get you to meet this man here tonight. Uh, it's James Frederick. Is that right? James Frederick. And uh, Deer Park, Texas. And he's coming by to, to uh, uh, just join with us. Not join our church, but he's coming by to join up with us tonight. Uh, normally he's not in town. He's got a business here in town, but normally not in town on Wednesdays and, and Sundays. But he is tonight. And we're sure thrilled that you're able to come out here tonight. Uh, thrilled that you're be here because you increased our crowd about 10%. And so um, it's, uh, I love cold weather in Memphis, don't you? And uh, So uh, Romans chapter 14, verse 20. Look there, Romans 14, verse 20. It says, uh, for meat destroy not the work of God. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil uh, uh, for that man who eateth with offense. And if you remember, when we were looking at that, we're talking about the fact that uh, that's not, the the weaker Christian that's eating the meat uh, and he's offending, you know, making uh, creating an offense. It's it's the stronger Christian because that word offense is really a word that's talking about a stumbling block. It's it's God saying that you you know just to be careful being a stumbling block, and uh, it's clarified in verse twenty one. Of course, it's a little bit of a rehash, but. Is good neither to eat flesh nor drink wine nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. So in the verse before, he says, but is evil for that man who eateth with offense. And so he's going to, in case we don't understand what man he's talking about, he clarifies it in verse, 20, uh, verse 21. Uh, God just makes it clear to us. And, and, and that's why it's always important that you don't pull a verse out uh, you know, just pull it out because once you just pull it out, uh, what it seems to say when you put it in context is not really what it was saying. And so uh, that's what is very important here. It says it's good neither to eat flesh nor, or drink wine nor, uh, <clears throat> nor anything whereby thy brother stumbleth or is offended or is made weak. Uh, now, just a statement after that. To cause or invite someone to violate their conscience will bring judgment, discouragement, and doubt to them. And you don't want to do that. You don't want to hurt them that way. Uh, you, you know, if you uh, think something is a sin and you commit that thing, you're still going to walk around in guilt. You're still going to be guilty. And we're going to find out that God says the truth is whatsoever is uh, faith is sin. So we're going, to, uh, we're going to deal with that a little bit. But uh, it will affect his, his faith as a whole. When we, when we do this in front of someone or cause someone else to, to do something that they really don't think they're supposed to be doing, it'll affect their faith as a whole. Every man should be allowed to live according to his faith before God. The stronger will not find conviction in his conscience if he does not, does, listen to this, does not partake of something. You see, so much of the time, what it's really saying is, is stronger. Okay, we're not we're not asking you to do something. We're asking you just to not do something. You know, and it really doesn't hurt us to let something go. It really doesn't hurt us to let let some things. You know, just you know, okay, I, I don't have to have that. Uh, it, it's the one who partakes against his conscience that comes into judgment. 
God looks on the heart, and if you listen to this again, if you believe what you're doing is a sin against God, and you do it because of intimidation, then you have committed the sin of putting others' desires above, above the desires of God, and therefore, in fact, have committed the sin of idolatry. You may be doing something that's really, according to the Word of God, is not really factually a sin, but when you do it thinking it is, but you're doing it because others have encouraged you to do it, you're following others rather than following God. And so what you've done is you put others before God. And so this is where God's saying, you know, whatsoever's not a faith is sin because when we do that with, without faith toward God, then, then we, that's a form of idolatry. Does that make sense to everybody? And so that's what God's really talking about here. He says, verse 22, hast thou faith, have it to thyself before God. He said, okay, if you got faith, it's between you and God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not a, a not a faith, for whatsoever is not a faith is sin. Now, I'll give you this illustration. You know, when I went to, to, to Bible college, uh, I was almost 27, you know, been a police officer for a while, and, and, uh, and so I went to, went to Bible college, and uh, there are the, the rules at the college that, <coughs> that um, well, there were rules at the college that some would come in and say they did not have to obey because they were not a sin. You know, I was there, and I went to college, and then three and a half years later, they hired me, and, and so I started working in the discipline department. And, uh, and so there was kids that way back then, they would start, they would come in, and sometimes not kids, and they would say, uh, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, so I don't, I, you know, I don't agree with, that you have a rule against it. And they'd say, there's nothing wrong with me doing it, so, I, you know, I'm going to continue to do it. Well, here, here's the problem. This is what I, I would explain to them. You know, okay, let me just give an example of what I'm talking about. It, it might have been, you know, there they had a rule that you had to have a tapered haircut. Well, I don't know that you find factually in the Bible that you got to have a taper. Not having a tapered haircut is a sin, you know. So, so uh, I understand that. They say, well, I don't think that there's anything wrong with having a block hairstyle. I said, I don't, I don't either. Uh, or, but they, they would have to wear a belt with their pants. And they say, well, you know, there's nothing in the Bible, I've got to wear a belt with my pants. Well, I'd say, well, you know, you may need to, you know, because some of you do, I, because your pants may not be where they're supposed to be if you don't. But, uh, you know, wearing a tie to classes, you know, uh, there's, you know, so, of course, a lot of people today, you know, especially on Wednesday night, they don't wear ties and they don't do that. Look, I don't think there's anything in the Scripture that you find that you've got to wear a tie. I don't think it's in there. Uh, so, uh, or not shaving, you know, back there you, you couldn't have, uh, you know, a beard or a mustache and every day you had to shave. So these are all just some things that they were rules of, of the college. Now, often over the years, I'd have people come through and they, and they would be very argumentative about this and say, it's not, look, there's nothing wrong with it. So I don't think you should have a rule against it. And I don't think it's wrong for me to do it. So I'm going to do it. And I would say, here's what you got to understand. The act of, or, or the having a blocked hairstyle is not a sin in the Bible. But it becomes a sin when it's a rule of authority and you violate authority. 
And so this kind of the, it's, it's not exact, but it kind of in the same light, you, you know, God says, you know, there's some things that are, that are, that are not wrong, but, but when leadership says don't do it, then, you know, you have to, you know, they ha- and I tell them all the time, I say, look, nobody's making you cut your hair. If you stay here, you have to. And if you refuse to, then what you've really done is, is that you've committed a sin because you are rebelling against authority. Well, I don't want to do it. Well, then you don't have to. You don't have to stay here. Does that make sense? Okay. So, now this leads us to chapter 15. I took a little bit more time on chapter 14, that rehash of chapter 14. But look at uh, chapter 15, verses 1, and uh, we may get through verse 7. It says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Boy, that was hard to understand, isn't it? Um, if verse 1 hits to the heart of the matter, bam. And we go through all of chapter 14, and God's making this clear. And, 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 and chapter 15, it's going to be reemphasized right off the get-go. He says it's all about, it's all about uh, um, pleasing yourself or pleasing God and loving others. That's all it comes down to. You either please yourself or you please God. You either please yourself or you please others, which pleases God. And that's what it comes down to. I, you know, I had the right to do many things, but it would hurt some to do it. So if I love God, chapter 14 and 15 becomes a command to me, not suggestions. Uh, God says that I'm supposed to love people enough to, look, at, look what it says, to please them. When you say bear the infirmities, that means lit- literally to lift uh, off of those who may be struggling, lift a burden off of those who may be struggling with it. Uh, it's, it's talking about an issue of conscience, even if that issue is from a position of weakness. And so uh, when we bear their infirmities, what they, they're under this weight of this belief that what they're doing. Uh, and we're, again, talking about the meat and drink that had been offered or dedicated to idols. And so they're saying, look, uh, they believe that to partake of that is, a, you know, maybe in their mind was a mortal sin. And, and they think that they're under that weight and that burden. And then they see you, maybe a leader or a teacher or a fellow Christian, and you're, you're, you're eating it up. And they're thinking, I, 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 I'm confused. I can't deal with that. And God says, don't, don't add to their burden. Lift it off of them. Now, we're not, to, not to please ourselves when it says not to please ourselves, it means to accommodate ourselves uh, by submitting, accommodate others by submitting to the opinions and desires of others. Not to please ourselves means you don't accommodate yourself, you accommodate others by submitting to the opinions and desires of others. Of course, as long as, uh, as what they desire is not against the Bible, and you have to understand that all this is talking, this is not never talking about, okay, well, you're, they're committing a sin, so we join up with them. That's not what it's talking about at all. It's talking about when you understand Scripture and you understand there's nothing wrong with this, but they believe there is. And so the stronger looks and says, I'm not going to do that. I don't have to do that. You know, a long time ago, people used to preach completely about, uh, you know, men would get up and preach about having a TV in your house at all or, you know, having anything like that. And they were doing it back there when you had three channels in Memphis, okay? (laughs) 
And they were, you know, don't have it in here at all. Okay, well, well, listen, it would not be smart for me to, to, if you believe that, to walk into your house and start talking about the latest movie or uh, walk into your house and, you know, in this day and age, you know, throw up my, my iPad and start, start watching a movie in your house because that's going to hurt. They don't believe in it. I, I saw two guys getting in a fight in class, Bible doctrines class. What a place to get in a fight. But got in a Bible doctrines class because they were talking about whether the TV was a sin. And one guy said, it's, you know, it's a sin out of hell. Everything on it comes across it. it you know, it's the hell of vision, not the television. And the other guy says, no, wait a minute, time out. I got saved watching, watching a preacher on, on, on TV. I got saved, knelt right down in front of my TV as he gave the gospel, and I got saved. How can that be wrong? Well, you know, look, I don't know what you believe and really don't care. The, um, but the fact is, is that the box is not the sin. It's what comes across the box. But if you believe the box is a sin, it's wrong for me to push the box on you. Does that make sense to you? So, now, I want you to always remember as we're going through this, you see this situation almost always involves the stronger not doing something. Always involves the stronger not doing something. And I, and I say again, why do I emphasize that? Because to give up something, what's the big deal? Why is it so important that I've got to do what I want to do if it's going to hurt somebody? Now, it, this is a close illustration, but it's not exact, but it pretty much delivers the principle as I was talking about when I went to Bible college. They didn't allow mustaches, beards, all that kind of thing. Uh, I didn't know that. You know, as I said, I've been a police officer, and every police officer has sunglasses and a mustache. <laughs> and so, uh, and so I, I was almost 27, and I walked in the, in the door to register. Nobody ever told me that you couldn't have a mustache. Matter of fact, I had a mustache since I was 16. My dad wouldn't let me have a beard when I was in high school, and so I had these lamb chop sideburns that came all the way down, and they connected to my Fu Manchu mustache, and I, I shaved two stripes. I said, it's not a beard, Dad. And so, uh, but, uh, but, you know, they, they, here we are. You know, I walk in, and I don't have, I'm standing in line to register, and a man walks up to me and says, you can't register with that mustache. And I said, well, why? He said, we don't allow them here. Well, I, I'm brand new there. I don't know anybody there. My wife and I uh, are, are just, I mean, man, we are in shock. We just drove all night, all night Thursday night to get there for the last day of late registration. I'm about to run out of time. And so uh, I went back home, and, and my wife said, why are you here? I thought you were going to register. And, and back then, do you all remember uh, paper registration? Do you all remember the lines that were like 9,000 miles long, and you had to fill out 14,000 papers in triplicate, quadruple, you know, I... And so I'm, and she said, you can't be done. And I said, I'm not done. She said, why, why are you here? I said, because they told me I got to save off my mustache. She said, do what? Because she had never seen my upper lip. <laughs> she had never seen me without a mustache. But, you know, I, I went in and I just I shaved it off. Because, look, folks, if, if I gave up my home, I gave up my family, I left my job, I left everything else, what? is the big deal about a mustache. But you know, years later, I was on staff. A guy came to my office, and he's in registration. He's in late registration, just like I was. And so instead of in the lines and everything, we had him from office to office. He came to my office, and I'm just going to stamp one of his sheets. And he came in, and he said, and I looked at him, and he had a mustache. And I said, hey, buddy, 
just like me, you know, I'm going to have to let you know. They're not going to let you finish registration. I'm not sure how you got this far, but you're going to have to shave your mustache off. And he said, I'm not shaving my mustache off for anybody. And I looked at him, and I said, well, you know, look, I mean, if God called you to come here, he probably knew that they wouldn't let you have a mustache before you got here. And so it's not that big of a deal, is it? He said, I'll leave before I shave off my mustache. And he left. Now, I don't, I don't comprehend that. How important is a mustache? I'm just waiting for somebody to tell me, and I was expecting one of the ladies. But anyway, um, all right. Look at verse 2. It says, let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. Notice this again, the word please. The word please. Now, we had that in the first verse. We have in verse, when when we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. And now we get in verse 2, let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. This word please is so very important. God says twice in two verses that we should accommodate our neighbor, our brother in Christ. He emphasizes it. You don't accommodate yourself, you accommodate him. Now, why do we do that? For his good, for his edification, so he'll grow, so he'll become stronger. It all comes down to what's best for somebody else. Look, is it really best for Memphis and all of society for Autumn to have her license? No. So Autumn, you just ought to be willing to give it up. Talk to me, Josh. All right. <laughs> now, verse 3 recognizes it's often against our selfish nature to yield or to please others. So we are given the greatest example of the stronger pleasing the weaker. Look at, look at verse 3. It says, for even Christ pleased not himself. But as it is written, the the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. You see, it's extremely important that we stay right with each other. Folks, God's, he's taken almost, you know, about a chapter and a half here, really emphasizing that we're supposed to get along with each other. We're supposed to get along with everybody, especially Christian brothers. And watch this. Everybody's at different levels of Christianity. And you may think you're stronger, but the moment you think you're stronger, you're probably not. But you may be stronger in one area and weaker in another. They may be stronger in that area and weaker in in the area of your strength. But we need to defer to our Christian brothers. Verse 3 recognizes it's often against our, our selfish nature to yield to please others so that we are given the greatest example of the stronger pleasing the weaker. It's extremely important that we stay right with each other if we are going to continue to be a church that loves others. And that's been the thing that's most said about this church when, when, uh, when people come and when they visit and the reason they come back is because they feel like they've been loved while they're here. And I want you to understand, if love is to continue in Calvary and not be a facade, sometimes what you're known for, you end up just kind of uh, becoming it facially. You become it outwardly, but it's not happening inwardly. 
And I want us to be very, very careful that it always stays inside. That the love that people sense is not because we smile and we're sweet as syrup to them. It's because of what happens through the Holy Spirit of God. The love inside of our hearts is permeating and is coming out. And so love can never be a facade. Love is only love when it's real, true, and sacrificial. And that's what God's... Chapter 14, these early verses of chapter 15 are more than a teaching, a suggestion, or consideration. It's the heart of Christianity. Look, I I understand uh, even that love. Jesus was willing to not please himself. What's God talking about? The reproaches Uh, He's saying he came to suffer for us so that we could have eternal life. Now, I believe we should do everything in our power to defer to the wishes and desires of others. You say, what what that is, you go to Proverbs chapter 1, what that is, it's wisdom, it's discernment, it's subtlety, and maybe the most important word is discretion. You know, how you talk to each other and how you speak to each other, how you relate things to each other is very, very important. Anybody that's, any man in here that's married, you know that you've heard this over and over again. It's not what you said. It's how you said it. Well, do you know, and that applies to all Christians. It's not what you say. It's often it's how you say it, and God calls that discretion. We ought to know how to speak to each other, and we ought to know how to comfort each other, even in our words when maybe they're not doing what we think they ought to be doing. Maybe they, we don't agree with their stand. Listen, that's when we have to, from inside of us, defer. Well, don't get any amens on that. That's really what God's talking about. You know, we fight over too many issues that are just not really worth fighting over. And I don't mean us. I'm talking about we as Christians. We fight over issues that are not worth fighting over. Now, when it comes to the truth of the Word of God, I'm going to stand. You won't find me flinching a bit. You're not going to find me. There's a, there's a lot of things that I won't back down on, but I still don't even have to be mean to you. I'll just tell you, nope. That's just where I am. No, I think you're wrong here. Well, I'm, God bless you. I'm glad you think I'm wrong. I'll have to answer to God for it. And, I, and, and he'll show me if I am eventually, I believe. But this is where I stand. But you know, th- there's so many things in life, it just don't matter. You know, if you, if you'd rather have a chicken sandwich than a hamburger, then let's go get a chicken sandwich. You say, but what if you really like hamburgers? It don't matter. Amen. It just don't matter. Why don't we make issues? All right. When we conflict, we're not submitted to Christ. We're not in his word, and we're not walking with him. Now, I'm going to give you two reasons why we conflict with others, Christian brothers and sisters. One, we're not in his word. We are not submitted to Christ. We're not walking with him. Or we are in his word. We are walking with God. We are submitted to Christ. You say, now, wait a minute. Here's the 
Look, folks, I've been around this thing a long time. When we are not submitted to Christ, we're not walking with God. Listen, me's coming out. It's coming out. And if me comes out, pride's coming out. If me comes out, anger's coming out. If me comes out, my way is going to come out. My opinion is going to be heard. We say, but wait a minute now, what if I'm walking with God and I'm reading my Bible and I'm praying and I'm submitting to Christ? It can also happen then when those things are points of pride. I've checked every blank for the whole year. I used to hear every day I do this. Well, I'm glad you do it every day. But I'm one of those fellows, and I don't believe in every's and always. I wish I did. I wish I could. But there's no every's and always. Anybody here have ever been so sick you couldn't read? Anybody ever had a migraine that lasted a couple days? Let me just tell you something. I'm going to tell you, if you really had one, you didn't read nothing. Hello? You say, well, you listen to it then. Uh-uh. You got an ice cold rag on your head, you got a pitch black dark, and anybody that cracks that door may die. <laughs> so you didn't every and always. Let me tell you what most people mean when they say every day. Well, first of all, it's a point of pride. Secondly, it's a lie. And what they really mean is every day since I didn't, I do. You understand? Every day I do. Well, that means every day since you didn't. How are y'all doing? Now, do I believe that we ought to strive to every day? Yeah. But I'm going to tell you, the only every that I believe is that there, 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 there is never, there, there, there are no nevers and, and always. There's no every, never, always, except that it's never, always. Okay. Y'all don't get that. Anyway, so what happens is, is we get, we start, and folks, you really need, we need to do a self-check. Why are we spending that time in prayer? Because it makes us feel superior? Does it make us feel like God is obligated to bless us? Some who read and pray do it because it allows them to feel closer to God and feel secure in his presence and to understand his heart. There are others that perform a ritual that makes them feel successful, superior, and deserving of God's pleasure. Why you do what you do? Can I say something? If your perspective is right and your desire is right, instead of reading the 14 chapters that you're going to read every day. You may read three verses and God just grab a hold to you and you can't go anywhere else. You may start to weep after that first three verses and you might walk around for the next 20 minutes praising God. You might spend the next hour writing down every thought that comes to your mind because God is just turning you loose, man. 
But if you've got to read your 14 chapters in order for you to feel good about yourself, there's a problem. There's a problem. Now, every time I say this, people think, oh, well, I can just read three verses a day then. Now, you let God stop you. But if he doesn't stop you, keep reading. The best advice is just keep reading until your time runs out and you can't read anymore until God does stop you. And I'm not saying that every time I ever read or listen that, that you know, I get halfway through it and God shows me something. I'm saying sometimes I read through a, a quite a bit. Sometimes, you know, I listen every morning to chapter after chapter. Sometimes as I'm there listening to the, 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 the Bible, I'll, I'll hear something and, and I have to stop it because if it keeps going, I've got to know where it just stopped and I've got to be able to go back and look that up. But, but, this, we've got to seek God and let Him direct us. A true relationship with Christ brings humility of heart that desires right relationships with their brothers and sisters. And this desire supersedes personal choices and desires. Everything we speak should be seasoned with grace and humility and love. You do not have to speak your mind. Do you understand that? We don't have to make sure that somebody knows that we don't agree with them. I don't know how many times I've counseled people that are going to be with family just like over the holidays, and they'll say, I just feel like I need to say something. And I look at them and say, have you ever said anything before? Well, yeah, many times. I say, then they already know what you think. Why go back and start another argument? Don't have to speak your mind. Why? Because it'll really be a short subject. And it does not edify others. It's pride to demand others to conform to you. Wisdom and discretion is willing to conform to the desires of others. Wisdom says, we don't need to fight about this. Discretion says, here's how you're going to talk to each other about this and get through it. This is how we're going to deal with it. And not even have a conflict. Not have an issue. I hope this makes sense to somebody. Verse 3 says, For even Christ pleased not himself. Remember that, but it is written, The reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. Jesus lived his life for others. He suffered attack, mocking, beatings, and death, all for others. It is, he is our ultimate example. And watch this, and I'm going to have to stop here. But, but, but I keep hitting on this, but I want you to hear this. This is why, this, all that's being taught here in chapter 14 and 15, this is why, forgive me, why I know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus did not turn water into alcoholic wine. Because Jesus is the word of God, and he said, because he's the word, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Jesus said, 
First Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 3, this is a true saying, if a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good, uh, good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to speak, not given to wine. Not given to wine. Okay, now watch this now. If Jesus, there's just a couple of places, but if Jesus said that he's not wise to do this, if Jesus said that leadership sure shouldn't do this, then why shouldn't he do it? Because it's going to mess with his thinking. It's going to mess with what he does. All right, watch this. Do you really think in front of all the weaker brethren there that are at that wedding, he's going to make something that will confuse them, that will hurt them. Not by this principle he just laid out here. Romans teaches us that you don't, you defer. If for no other reason, Jesus, look, even if it was okay, he wouldn't have done it because they, so many of those people from the scriptures will understand that that alcoholic wine is a mocker. They would understand that, that leadership is not supposed to, and we go back to, to kings and, and princes, they're not supposed to, to, to drink this stuff. So why would the God of gods, king of kings, lord of lords, or somebody who comes representing as a prophet, why would they be encouraging everybody in their evolved status of life to drink it? They would have been hurting them. He would have been hurting the weaker brethren does that make sense to you i hope so it it I, I, I try my best not to just slam truth down your throat i'm trying to show you a reason as to why these things would take place the um i know what you're looking for brother west <laughs> the uh Jesus would be deemed a prophet. He would be recognized as a king. To create wine and encourage everyone that is there to partake of it would violate his own words and violate the principle his word teaches in Romans 14 and 15. He would have encouraged others to imbibe and indulge, and some of this would be very confusing and detrimental to those at that wedding and to all who knew him and to everybody he was leading. He would not violate his own teaching. All right. I, as far as I can, I can go tonight, I was hoping to get all the way through verse 7 so that I could really beat you up. But, um, but that's, as, that's as far as I'm going to get tonight. I keep thinking we'll get farther, but we don't. But, folks, please, I beg you. Yes, sir.